Welcome to Fresh Start Church Online. Our mission is to help people find a fresh start through Jesus Christ. Please let us know if we can pray for you or help you in any way. Now here's Pastor Bruce with this week's message. Well, hi, my name is Bruce, and I'm a hypocrite. I want to welcome you to uh, the kickoff of this new series, and for those listening online, I want to welcome you too as we, uh, as we start this series called I Know You Are, But What Am I? A while back, I had a, a talk with a man who shared with me uh, terrible things that had been done to him as a child. And what made it far worse was they were done by leaders in the church. And it broke my heart. And I know these things happen. I know they're way too common. I know they should never happen. But it broke my heart. And that conversation just stuck with me. And it stuck with me. And it stuck with me. And it led me to ask, do a little survey on Facebook. And I ask people... Uh, to answer my question if they were either not Christians or if they were Christians but had uh, left the church, been turned off by other Christians or turned off by the church. And I asked for their response. I said, what are some of the, the negative character traits that you've seen in Christians that have stopped you from either coming to God or stopped you from being part of the church. They've just turned you off. They've turned you away. And, and I wish I could say that there was a whole bunch of comments that just were meaningless, that surprised me. But instead, the things that people shared, and, and, and there was really some great interaction, and the things that people shared, I think are some of the most common reasons why people stay away either from God, or maybe they believe in God, maybe they believe in Christ, but they stay away from the church. And so I just want to hit these head on in, these series, in this series. I, I, I don't want us to stay in denial. Uh, I want us to look at, at things, and, and they may not exist in all of us, but I think they're very, very common. And I, my goal is that, that we can discover these things inside of us that need to be uncovered so that we can recover from them as we, as we confess to God and as we ask God to change us into the people that he wants us to be. You know, even as a pastor, I've experienced far more pain from Christians than from non-Christians. Even uh, back years ago, we were in a ministry that that, uh, we we had our lives threatened uh, more than once. Uh, I did, my wife, my kids. We had bomb scares called in to churches that we were going to be having meetings at and, and speaking at. I mean, we had, we had some non-Christians that really, really, really didn't like us. But despite all those things, I've experienced far more pain from people in the church than people out of the church. You know, I'll never forget a, a guy that told me, he said, I would kick down the doors of hell for you. And then a few days later, refused to even meet with me for lunch or talk to me ever again. 
I remember somebody saying, man, I've got your back. And I didn't know that meant as a target for a knife that was getting ready to be stabbed into it. I remember a guy, a guy who had uh, literally risked his life most of his career for our country, saying to me, you're the bravest man I've ever seen. I am completely behind you. And what I didn't know was he was so far behind, you could never find him again. I also know that I've caused more pain to other Christians than to non-Christians. And it breaks my heart to think of that and, and, and to try to deal with it as we're going to today. For years, Valerie has told me that she hates kind of seeing behind the curtain. You know, as a pastor's wife, she knows things that other people don't know. She knows things about other pastors or other ministries or other churches. And she says, I always hate seeing behind the curtain. I, I don't want to know the junk that's, that's back there. I, it, it's so disappointing. It's so discouraging. Prior to me losing 79 pounds, she hated to see behind the shower curtain. That was the scariest thing for her. But now, you know, now that's okay. But it's seeing behind the curtain of ministry and behind the curtain of, of uh, churches and, and religious people. That can just be heartbreaking. It can just be heartbreaking. So today we're going to start with hypocrisy. We're going to talk about, you know, I know you're a hypocrite, but what am I? What am I? And let's start with the, the definition of a hypocrite. The dictionary really gives us two totally different uh, meanings, but they, they're both absolutely on target and on track for what we're talking about today. You know, here's one of the early symbols for drama or theater. It's the comedy tragedy mask. And this is from before Christ. I mean, masks were used in the theater. And, and here, actors would use them in the early Greek theater. Uh, they would use them so that you would know, is, is this character the good guy or the bad guy? Is this character happy or sad? And so the actor would come out on stage and hold a mask in front of their face. And that mask would communicate, even if it was in a large theater, out, large outdoor setting, that mask would communicate what the actor was. And so that's the first Definition, if you look in the dictionary, what is a hypocrite? It will say an actor or one who wears a mask. We wear a mask. I, I don't know why we as Christians ever thought we're supposed to put on a mask. Why we have to try to look good. You know, Valerie told me uh, once that she had she'd been talking to... Uh, a, a pastor and his wife, they were new at a, at a church, serving in the church, and, and she was talking to them, and they said, yeah, we, we really kind of like the people here, and you know, we think the leadership's great, but there's this one leader we're not sure about. There's this one leader. We're just not comfortable around this guy. He just seems too nice, just seems kind of artificial, just seems kind of fake. And, and Valerie visited that church once, and she told me later, she says, I walked into the church, and I knew exactly the guy they were talking about. I knew exactly, because he just had this fake smile. He just was a little too nice, a little too, you know, looking like everything was all together. I don't know why we think as Christians we have to portray that. But the reality is portraying what we're going through, letting people know what we, the struggles we have can help them in their faith, not hurt them in their faith. But we put on all these different masks. Have you ever known someone that put on a mask 
I mean, this is a big deal for Christians. You've known someone who acted one way at church, and they acted a different way everywhere else. Maybe at work they were one person, and at church they were someone else, and maybe they even had other areas of life where they just wore different masks everywhere they went. That's a hypocrite. I still remember a a lady telling me her husband was a, a church leader, and she said, you know, one of the things that breaks my heart is my husband will be yelling at me, yelling at our kids, treating us like dirt, and then the phone rings, and it's somebody from church. And he picks up the phone. His voice changes every... Oh, hi, how are you? He's Mr. Nice, Mr. Got it all together. Everything's good. She goes, that breaks my heart. And, and it should break our hearts. Because what, what happens is we think other people don't know when we're wearing a mask. The truth is you can see right through somebody's mask. You can see right through somebody's mask. We, we deceive ourselves, but we don't deceive anybody else. Other people know. They can spot us. When we're phony, they can spot us in a second. When another man tells me how tough he is, you know what I know? That guy's not tough at all. Tough guys don't have to tell you they're tough. They're just tough. They don't have to go around saying, I'm tough. They're just tough. Tough guys don't have to say that. When somebody's going through a crisis, maybe they lost their job, maybe they got bad test results, they're going through difficult times, and they just put on a smile and say, oh, I'm okay, and they act like everything is okay. It's okay to not be okay. It's okay to say, man, I am so disappointed. Man, I'm, I'm, I'm hurting so bad. That's okay. We don't have to put on masks. We don't have to do it. We shouldn't do it. The other definition of a hypocrite is, is someone who says one thing, but then does Something else. Like like pastors that'll preach, you know, don't have sex outside of marriage, and then they get caught having an affair, and, and you know, everybody's disappointed. Or the politician who's, who's against immigration but hires an illegal immigrant to work at his house. They, you know, we say one thing, but we do something totally different. You know, when we see that, it's so easy to identify. If you're a Democrat, then it's so easy when you see the Republican politician giving his speech, it's so easy to see the hypocrisy behind what he's saying. But if you're a Republican, it's so easy to see the hypocrisy behind the Democrats. But we never see our own hypocrisy. We never see it on our side, whether it's politics or anything else. We just kind of buy into whatever our viewpoint is. If you're a libertarian, you can't figure out why anybody would want to be a Republican or a Democrat. I mean, you know, we're all hypocrites. The problem is, until we see it in ourselves, we're never going to deal with it. And until we deal with it, we're never going to be the followers of Christ that that Jesus wants us to be. Kind of interesting that the word hypocrite appears in the New Testament 18 times. 18 different times in the New Testament. 16 of those 18 was Jesus using the word. I mean, Jesus nailed this. He hit this head on. And out of those 16 times, 13 of them are all in the Gospel of Matthew. All in the Gospel of Matthew. And so uh, as we look at uh, the topic of hypocrisy today, I I just want us to look at uh, Matthew chapter 23. We're just going to kind of dive in and, and stick there. If you've got a Bible, you can open to Matthew 23, or you'll find everything printed in your outline as well. Let's start in verse 1. 
Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees are the official interpreters of the law of Moses. That's kind of interesting that he would say that because these guys were his biggest enemy. It was the religious people in Jesus' day that were always trying to trick him or trap him. They are the ones that wanted to get rid of him. They are the ones that literally wanted him dead. So they were always up against him. But even though they were his enemies, Jesus says they're the official interpreters of the law of Moses. Well, that sounds like a good thing. Why would he say that? It's because he recognized their position despite the personality. No, that's kind of hard to do. It's always bothered me, though. I believe that the Bible teaches we're to, you know, pray for those in authority over us, we're to respect authority. And, And so I believe in America, there's things like the position of the presidency of the United States. That position should be respected doesn't mean we agree with the person in that position at any point in time, but the position itself. And so that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, look, these guys are the official interpreters of the law of Moses. And so he, he recognized their position and he recognized their ability. That they were able to communicate the law that God gave to Moses. They were able to communicate it. You know, this is over a thousand years later. They were able to communicate it to the people of that day. He recognized that's their position and that's their ability. They can communicate the law of Moses. It's almost as if they were sitting in Moses' seat now a thousand years later and they were communicating the things that God had given to Moses that he communicated in his generation. Let's look at verse 3. So, Jesus says, practice and obey whatever they tell you. But, this is huge, don't follow their example. So it almost looks like Jesus is giving these guys an endorsement. You know, these guys are the official interpreters of the law of Moses. Practice and obey whatever they tell you. But don't follow their example. Now, he's not saying everything they tell you. He's saying everything they tell you that's from the law of Moses. You know, they said other things at other times, the religious leaders did, that was outside of the law of Moses. But he's saying, you know, when they're communicating to you, they're interpreting the law of Moses, hey, these guys know their stuff. So listen to them, but don't follow their example. Why would he say that? Why would he say don't follow their example? For they don't practice what they teach. They were hypocrites. These were the teachers in the synagogue. These were the religious leaders. They were called Pharisees. And so, you know, these are the high holy guys. And Jesus says, look, what they're teaching you is true. It's the law of Moses. It was given by God. But don't pay any attention to what they're doing because what they're doing is wrong. Don't do what they do, but do listen and obey what they're communicating that was originally from God. Jesus is saying, hey, they're teaching the truth, so grab hold of it. Grab hold of it. Let me ask you a question. How do you respond to someone who you know is a hypocrite? When they say something and you know that person's a hypocrite, how do you respond? What's just kind of your initial reaction? I ignore them. I mean, the natural tendency in me is that guy's such a hypocrite. I just ignore him. I don't pay any attention to what they say. Not a word. 
problem is what they're saying could be right sometimes might not be but it could be right but if you're like me as soon as you hear something coming out of the you know somebody's mouth and you say that guy is nothing but a hypocrite you just shut down and you just don't pay any attention and you ignore whatever they say but in this case what these guys were saying was right kids and please don't answer out loud kids if your parents tell you to do something but you know they don't do it how do you feel Parents, how did you feel when your parents said, don't do that, but you knew they did it? How, how did you feel? Just slap them both real quick. <laughs> My father smoked from the time he was a teenager, smoked cigarettes. I don't know how many he smoked. He was a chain smoker. I don't know how many he smoked. I know it was at least a pack a day. And my father always said, Bruce, don't smoke. Bruce, don't smoke. And I still remember once at youth group at church when I was a teenager, I still remember mocking that. You know, and I'm saying, now don't you ever start smoking. Now don't you ever, you know, and I'm, I'm pretending like I'm smoking the whole time, saying, now don't you ever start smoking. And it made one lady, she was a volunteer with the youth ministry at our church, she was so mad. She liked a stupid teenager kid. Why does he that? Yeah, I mean, and I didn't know that until several months later when she came to me and she said, you know, it made me so mad when you did that, when you were mocking your dad because I smoked and I was always telling my kids not to smoke. And when you just brought that up, it just made me so mad. And she decided to quit smoking. And I'm like, well, isn't that the goal? Isn't it the goal that when we're convicted of our hypocrisy, we should admit it and change? That's the goal, not just for us to continue to be hypocrites. See, the problem is what my dad told me was, Right. It was good. And here's what I think he meant. What I think he meant, but he never told me was, Bruce, I wish I had never started smoking. I started when I was a teenager and I, you know, it hasn't been good for me. I've had a heart attack and he ended up dying of lung cancer. And, you know, I'm sure he would have said, I, I wish I'd never started and I shouldn't be doing this. And it's a bad example for you. And I'm sorry. And, you know, please, I don't want you to do, go through what I've gone through. Please don't do this. I, you know, I just wish I hadn't done it. I would have respected that if he was just honest. Just say, man, I'm not, it's not that I'm meaning to tell you one thing, but I'm doing something else. It's, I wish I wasn't doing it. I wish I wasn't addicted. I wish I could stop. People respect that. When we're authentic, when we tell people, look, I've done this, and man, it screwed up my life. I've made this mistake and this mistake. Instead of pretending like we've never made those mistakes. Makes all the difference in the world. Makes all the difference in the world. See, parents... Kids can see our hypocrisy. Oh, they can see it. They can spot it. They can smell it. They can tell. But I mean, they just see right through us. And we think because we're adults and they're kids, you know, that, that we're just, we, no, they see it. They just know it absolutely. And it causes them to do the exact opposite of what we want. Because when we're telling them the right thing, even if we're not doing it, why are we telling them the right thing? Because we want what's best for them. We want them to not repeat our mistakes. We want them to avoid the pain that we've all caused ourselves. We want good for them. But because we're presenting it hypocritically, they do the exact opposite of what we want. They throw away the good that we're trying to communicate because they see our hypocrisy. Well, non-Christians can see our hypocrisy, too. 
And they toss everything out. They toss everything out. Even the truth that we want to communicate. They toss it all out. Other Christians see the hypocrisy in us church people. And they don't want to have anything to do with church. We have a larger uh, unchurched Christian population in America than ever before in our history. Now, there's more people in America today that say, I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe he died on the cross to pay for my sins. I believe he rose from the dead. He's my Lord. He's my Savior. I've placed my faith in him. I believe I'm a follower of Christ. But So more people that hold that position but don't go to church than ever before in our country. And this is one of the major reasons is they've seen right through our hypocrisy and they don't want anything to do with the church. So what Jesus is saying is don't throw the baby out with the bathwater just because someone's a hypocrite. And so as we see hypocrites, we need to remember this, that that don't throw out the message just because the messenger may be a hypocrite because the message might be true. It might be good for us. Look at verse 4. He's talking about the religious leaders. He says, they crush people with unbearable religious demands. And they never lift a finger to ease the burden. The religious rulers of that day, they were all about rules. The the leaders, the teachers, they were all about rules. Rules. We're not going to look at it uh, this morning, but later in the same chapter, Jesus says, look, you guys are so careful to tithe, to give 10%, the first 10% of what you have to God. You guys are so careful to do that that you even do it with the herbs from your herb garden. You're bringing the first 10% of your herbs to God. And he says, and that's good. We should tithe. He said, but you completely ignore justice. For the oppressed, you completely ignore mercy. You completely ignore faith. It's kind of like you guys are all about the spirit of the law. I mean, the letter of the law, but you miss out on the spirit of the law. You're all about these rules and you completely ignore that people can have a relationship with God. He said, you're all about rules, but no, no love, no love in you. You know the difference between religion and authentic Christianity? And and some of you have heard me say this before, but man, this is just great to remember and great to be able to explain to other people. Here's the difference. Religion is spelled D-O, do. Religion is all about things I do. I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to say this many prayers. I got to do this, this, this. It's all about rules. It's all about things I do. But authentic Christianity is spelled D-O-N-E, done. Authentic Christianity is all about what Jesus has already done. It's not about what we do. It's not about us. It's about him. It's about what he has already done. What has he done? He lived a perfect and sinless life and then offers us credit for it so that we can be presentable to God. And then he died a death that he didn't deserve to die because he was paying the punishment for everything we've ever done wrong. And so it's through Jesus that we have this relationship with God. And authentic Christianity is all about what he 
has done. But, but the religious leaders of his day pointed to rules. They pointed to rule after rule after rule. But Jesus, when he was here on earth, invited people into a relationship. Not rules, but a relationship with him. The religious leaders were making it harder for people. He's like, you're crushing people with all this stuff. They made it harder for people. But Jesus made life better for people. The religious leaders were dumping guilt on people. They were always trying to make people guilty. Jesus was offering people love and forgiveness and salvation. The religious leaders were oppressing people. Jesus came to set people free. After Jesus died and rose from the dead, the the religious leaders still didn't get it. They just kept doing the same thing. They kept doing the same thing. They kept trying to lay these rules on people and oppress everybody. But Jesus' disciples and the, and the first, the early Christians in the book of Acts and throughout the New Testament, the early Christians weren't pointing people to rules. They were still pointing people to Jesus, even though he'd gone back to heaven. Look at verse 5. Everything they do is for show. Everything they do is for show. On their arms, they wear extra wide prayer boxes with scripture verses inside. And they wear robes with extra long tassels. And they love to sit at the head table at banquets and in the seats of honor in the synagogues. They love to receive respectful greetings as they walk through the marketplaces. And they love to be called rabbi. Everything they did was for show. To show people, not to show God. But to show off to people. Earlier in in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus talks about this huge contrast. He said, when these religious leaders, these hypocrites, these Pharisees, when they do good works, when they give to people in need, they always blow the trumpets, got lots of attention. Look at what I'm doing for this person. They make a big show out of what they're doing for people. Jesus said, don't do that. He said, when you do good deeds, just do them quietly. When you give to somebody, he said, don't even let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. I mean, don't talk about it. Don't. I grew up in a church with, on the end of every pew was a, a plaque telling who gave the money for that pew. And I remember the first time I read Matthew 6 and Jesus going, when you give, don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. Do it quietly. I'm thinking, oh gosh, where do we get these plaques? These plaques, you know, I kind of get it. It's in honor of someone maybe, but I, I kind of get that. But oh my gosh, if our names are going on stuff that we've given, then it's because we want the credit. And Jesus said, okay, that's fine. If you want the credit, you do that. But that's all the credit you're getting. He said, if you want credit from God, then just give, just do good deeds. You don't have to blow the trumpet. When these people would pray, they were supposed to pray at 9 o'clock and 3 o'clock and other times, depending on the, the holidays and things. And, and they would always make sure at 9 o'clock, oh, they were never home at 9 or 3. They were out on the street corner. Oh, 9 o'clock. Oh, God. And they made sure everybody saw their holy, holy prayers. 3 o'clock. Oh, oh, everyone pay attention to me as I pray to God. Jesus said, don't do that. He said, go lock yourselves in a closet and pray to God. Now, he didn't mean you can't ever pray in public because he did all the time. Some people take that out of context. Oh, you're not supposed to pray in public. No, Jesus prayed in public all the time. But what he's being is, it's not a show. Prayer is us talking to God. It's not a show. And he said, when when the Pharisees fast 
you know, they'd, they'd take a, a time apart from eating to focus on God. They'd always, you know, kind of ruffle up and look really, oh, I've been fasting so long. Woe is me. Feel sorry for me. So that everybody would say, wow, that guy's really holy. Look what he's done. Jesus said, you're going to fast? Wash your face. Comb your hair. Don't talk about it. Don't let anybody know. Just do it. Do it for God, not for show. See, religious people then and now try to impress other people. But Christ followers, our goal should just be, I want to honor God. I'm doing this for God. Let's drop down to verse 11. He's given us this this huge example of all the show and pomp and circumstance of these guys. And he says, now, the, the greatest among you must be a servant. But those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. See, Jesus just rocks the boat. That's why they didn't like him. That's why the religious people didn't like Jesus. He wasn't like them. He rocked the boat. He turned everything upside down. He attacks the religious leaders. Says that if we really want to follow him, don't put on a show. Don't try to impress everybody. Be humble. If we're in positions of leadership in the church, then we should be servant leaders. And Jesus was the perfect example of this. Who got down on his knees and washed the other guy's feet? Well, it shouldn't have been Jesus, should it? Anybody else should have gotten down and said, oh, Jesus, let me wash your feet. No, no, no. It was Jesus. Why? Because everybody else was worried about whether they were more important than somebody else. And Jesus was a servant leader. I attended a ordination once in a denomination that's kind of, you know, real formal and traditional. And, and after the ordination service, they were having lunch at the church for everybody that was there. And so the ordination service is in the sanctuary. And then everybody goes outside and stands in line to get over to the, the fellowship hall for the, for the lunch. And long line of people, and we're all waiting to get in. And as we're waiting in line... Coming right beside us are the, the priest and the bishops and all the people that were there for the ordination and their big fancy hats and big fancy robes. They walk right past everybody who's in line to cut in the front of the line and to go sit at the most important table, the, the, the head table at the lunch. And I just watched that and I thought, I think I remember Jesus talking about that. Why do we do that stuff? I've told you before how much I hate churches where the the best parking space in the whole parking lot, usually the closest one to the door, says reserved for the right reverend so-and-so. That that ticks me off. If you ever see me getting thrown in jail, it's probably going to be for a whirlwind tour across America, tearing down pastors' reserved parking spaces. It just just bothers me. It bothers me. Because Jesus was the opposite. He was a servant leader. He was humble. And he said, for us to be humble. So where does this all lead us? Kind of easy to see in these guys, isn't it? Man, what a show these guys put on. Man, what phonies, what fakes, what hypocrites. Let's look at verse 13. This one one hits me the, the hardest out of this whole chapter. Jesus says, what sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law and you Pharisees? Hypocrites, for you shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. 
you won't go in yourselves and you won't let others in either. I hate that. Jesus says they shut the door. Not only were they going to miss out, the holy people, the leaders, the Pharisees, the religious people, not only were they the ones that were going to miss out on an eternal relationship with him, they were stopping other people from finding the gift of salvation that comes not from following rules, not from putting on a show, but the gift of salvation that comes from having a relationship with Jesus Christ. Not from being a hypocrite, but by seeking an authentic relationship with Christ. Earlier I said that religious leaders pointed people to rules. And that Jesus pointed people to relationship. And I said that the early Christians, Jesus' disciples and the early Christians throughout the New Testament, they pointed people to a relationship with Christ, while the religious leaders just kept right on pointing people to rules. So let me ask you a tough question. What is the church in America known for today? When people that aren't here with us, they're not worshiping in a church somewhere today, when they think of the church, what do they think of? Rules or a relationship with Christ? Do they think of our hypocrisy or do they think of the awesome truth that Jesus Christ wants to have a relationship with each of us, wants to offer us love and forgiveness and salvation? I'm afraid the survey would be similar to what I took on Facebook. I think all the answers would be, when I think of the church, I think of rules. I think of hypocrisy. I think of, and people would name the four things that we're going to be covering over the next four weeks. I don't think people outside the church would ever say, oh, when I, when I just think of the church, I just think of those people are wanting everybody to know the good news about Jesus. They just want everybody to have a relationship with Christ. That's true, and I think it is. Isn't that tragic? Isn't that tragic that 2,000 years later, we've kind of stayed in the same place the religious leaders that Jesus didn't like were in back then? Instead of being like his earlier followers who were just so in love with Jesus, they just wanted everybody to know the good news about Jesus, and they pointed everybody to him. Instead of that, we're known for rules. Let me ask you a tougher question. What are you known for? Attracting people to Christ or pushing people away from Christ? You know, my, my fear is that, that, that our hypocrisy in the church, as people who say that we're Christians, is keeping people away from Jesus. That our, our religiosity is holding people back from having a life-changing relationship with Jesus. The strongest words Jesus spoke throughout the Bible, he had strong words for the devil, understandably, but the strongest words Jesus spoke when he was here on earth. The roughest words, the name-calling, the only name-calling Jesus did 
It was all aimed at religious people. It was all aimed at the leaders of the church, the religious leaders. And I want to encourage you when you get home today, read the rest of of chapter 23 of Matthew. But here's, let me just give you some highlights. Here's just the names, just in this one chapter, here's just the names that Jesus uses for the religious leaders. Hypocrites, that's what we've been talking about. Here's a good one. Children of hell, that's pretty strong. Blind guides, meaning they think they're guiding people, and they are, but they're guiding people in the wrong direction. Fools, he called them tombs, caskets full of dead bones. He called them snakes, sons of vipers, murderers. He even described them as serial killers because he said, what you guys are doing, I'm going to hold you responsible for the death of every godly person all the way back. He goes back about 4,000 years to when Cain killed Abel. You guys are responsible. 4,000 years of history. He said, you guys are responsible for the death of every godly person that's been killed. Why? Because you're oppressing people. You're keeping people away from me instead of inviting people to me. So what would he say to us today? What would Jesus say to us today? See, I don't want today, and I don't want the next three weeks to like be, oh man, I hate going to church. Man, that's so sad. I just feel guilty. I feel, no, 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 no. I'm not here to do what the religious leaders did, which was just make us feel guilty. No. I'm here to help us discover these flaws so we can uncover them, so we can turn to God and recover from them. Because think of the joy that comes. Think of any area of your life. If you've ever turned away from some major sin in your life, if you've ever been doing something you knew was wrong, it was messing up your life, it was hurting God, and you turned away from that and started doing the right thing and started following God, think of the joy that comes from that. Think of the freedom that comes. And you say, man, I am so glad I'm not like that anymore. I am so glad I'm not like that anymore. That's what God wants us to have. That's what Jesus wants us to have. Uh, he, he wants to say, look, I admit it, I'm a hypocrite. It breaks my heart to say it, but I think my hypocrisy has probably hurt lots of people. I think it's even kept some people away from church, away from God. And man, man, I, I, I don't want to be like that anymore. I don't want to be like that anymore. I just want to be me. See, we, we, we act like hypocrites because we either want to impress people, make them think more highly of us, or we can't handle who we really are. And we think, if anybody else knew me, if anybody else really knew me, if they knew what was going on in my heart and my mind sometimes, if they really knew the things I've done, if they really knew the things that I think of, nobody would like me. Yes. At first start church, we would. We would. 
in the kingdom of heaven. Yes, Jesus would. Yes, he loves it when we come to him broken. He loved it when people with broken bodies came to him so he, he could heal their bodies. He loved it when people with terrible past and broken lives would come to him so that he could heal their past and give them a whole new future. And he still loves doing that today. That's why it's called Fresh Start Church. We want everybody to know that a fresh start is available. Problem is, those of us that are already here kind of think, well, I've had my fresh start. I'm following Christ. But maybe today needs to be a fresh start in this area of hypocrisy. Maybe today needs to be the day that says, okay, God, I already believe in you and I'm already following you. But, man, man, maybe you're like me, man, I've messed this one up. And I don't want to mess it up anymore. How should we respond? I mean, to see how Jesus felt towards religious leaders who were hypocrites, and then to think of the hypocrisy in our own lives. How should we respond? Well, here's what not to do. I I still remember a man who kind of dropped out of church years ago, and I saw him, and I said, man, I missed you. How come I haven't seen you at church? How are you doing? I've really missed you. Missed your family. He goes, well, pastor, he said, here's the deal. I'm messed up. My life's gotten messed up. My marriage has gotten messed up. And he said, one thing I'm not is a hypocrite. I may be doing a whole bunch of things wrong, but one thing I'm not is a hypocrite. He said, I'm not going to show up on Sunday and pretend like everything's okay. I said, oh, absolutely. Don't show up on Sunday and pretend like everything's okay. Show up on Sunday and say, I'm broken and I want to be healed. My marriage is a mess, but I want it to be saved. Show up on Sunday and say, I'm, I'm in need of a savior. I'm in need of the healing touch of Jesus. I'm in need of Jesus leading me and and teaching me and changing me. Don't stay away from church because you're a hypocrite. Come to church and admit that you're a hypocrite. And let's let God change us. Two two more passages of scripture I want us to look at. And this is our, our response. How should we respond if we're guilty of hypocrisy like these guys were? Well, Jesus gives the answer in the same chapter, but down in Matthew chapter 23, uh, verse 25. He says, again, what sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you are filthy, full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first wash the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside will become clean too. What does that mean? It means God cares about what's on the inside. He cares about what's on the inside. We can can put a show on on the outside. He doesn't care about that. He cares about what's going on in the inside. And so, so many times we, we just pretend, we go through this thing called Christianity and we pretend like we've got it all together. Only anybody that knows us knows we don't. And so they, well, why would they want what we have? We can clean the outside, but we really can't clean the inside. Only Jesus can do that. And that happens when we come to him and say, man, i got some stuff inside of me that needs cleaned. And the cool thing is when Jesus changes the inside, guess what happens? 
the outside changes. Our behavior changes. Our life, the stuff people see changes when the stuff inside of us changes. A lot of times people say, man, I'm trying to change my language. I'm trying to watch my words. It doesn't happen by trying to bite your lip. It happens by God changing what's in our hearts. It's when God softens our hearts that we don't scream out in anger at people anymore. It, it, God wants to change us, but he wants to change us from the inside out. That's the only change that lasts. We can go through a whole bunch of motions and do a whole bunch of stuff that looks like we've changed, but if the inside hasn't changed, nothing has really changed. One more verse from Matthew chapter 7, verse 3. Jesus, he's talking again about hypocrites. He's talking about the same exact issue. He says, why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Then you'll see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Jesus is saying, look, guys, don't worry about what somebody else is doing that's not right. Worry about what you're doing. Don't try to just put on a show for people. Worry about what's inside. Worry about showing me that you love me and that you're serious about following me. I have so much hope when I read these verses because it's, it's what the Bible is intended to be, not rules that condemn us, but that convict us so that we can see what's wrong inside of us so that we can be changed. My hope is that we will leave here today and maybe have some people to apologize to for being a hypocrite. Maybe starting with God. Maybe there's some non-Christians that we've been pushing away because of our hypocrisy. But what do you think they would think if we really came up to them and sincerely meant, you know what, I'm a Christian and I've been, I've been such a hypocrite with you. You think they would still think so badly of us? I think they'd be shocked, frankly. If Christians all over America stood up and walked into our workplaces and our families and our neighborhoods and said, guys, I need to tell you something. I've been a hypocrite. You probably know it. But I thought I was fooling everybody, but I'm a hypocrite. I have loved it when I've seen that in other people. When I've seen somebody say, look, I've been trying to fool everybody, but here's the truth. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry means so much when we mean it. It means so much to other people, and it means so much to God. And when we do that with God, when we say, God, I am honestly sorry. I don't want to be that way anymore. Then, radical life change can begin. Let's pray. And if you're like me, you know, I'm not preaching to you. I started off by saying I'm a hypocrite. And I didn't just say that to try to look humble. I said it because I'm a hypocrite. But I don't want to be anymore. And I don't want our church to be known as hypocrites hypocritical church. I don't want our church to ever be called that. I don't think anybody would, but I, I don't want that to be in any way connected to our church. So if you're like me, maybe you want to join me in praying something like what I want to pray. But Father God, our desire for this series is to discover our flaws, uncover our flaws, and recover from our flaws as you transform our lives. God, I'm sorry for being a hypocrite. I'm sorry for the friends 
that I've hurt through my hypocrisy. I'm sorry for the times I've hurt my family, my wife, through my hypocrisy. I'm sorry for the times I've hurt church members because of my hypocrisy. Father, I'm sorry for anyone that's stayed away from you because of my hypocrisy. And God, most of all, I'm, I'm sorry for hurting you. Father, would you forgive us this morning that we've been uh, more concerned with a speck in somebody else's eye than the log in our own eye. And God, as we confess that our sins of hypocrisy, would you forgive us and heal us and change us? Change our hearts to be more like yours. Clean us from the inside out, Lord. God, turn us into authentic followers of Jesus Christ. God, turn us into people who care more about our relationship with Jesus than anything else. Turn us into people who attract people to Jesus because we're more and more like him. Maybe you're here this morning or maybe you're listening online and and you've allowed the hypocrisy of Christians to turn you away from God. I want to apologize. I want to apologize on behalf of the church. But I also want to encourage you to pursue Jesus. Pursue a relationship with Jesus. Don't let anybody else's sin or hypocrisy or weaknesses or failure stop you from having a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. Father, would you continue to touch hearts and change lives and start with ours. In Jesus' name, amen.